Hello to you, One Foot in the Grave fans. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. I've got a couple of disclaimers. Unfortunately, the audio quality is well below par. Um, I don't know what happened, but I come across very loud, and Richard Latto comes across very quiet. And I just I can't work out why the sound waves when I was editing were very tiny for Richard but large for me. So I'm really sorry you're going to be adjusting the volume throughout this episode. Hopefully it's not as unbearable as I'm making out, but it was just a a bit unusual the way it fed into my computer. So anyway, sorry about that. Also, the format for this episode is a little different. We talk about dramatic fever, but it's not scene by scene like I usually would. It's just how the flow of the conversation went. So if there's anything we missed out, anything you wanted to talk about, uh, get in touch. You know, we can go over any observations that we missed but it was a little bit of a different take on reviewing an episode like a, like much like how I usually would approach a review hope you enjoy and thank you very much once again for listening oh we do go off topic quite a lot just to warn you this is Richard Wilson speaking thank you for downloading one foot in the podcast so I'm a wrinkly crinkly but don't shed a tear I'm not exactly a little old dear one thing for sure I'm still Hello and welcome, one footers, to episode three of series two, Dramatic Fever. First aired 18th of October 1990. I'm joined this week by BBC Radio host and producer Richard Latte, host of the very popular Stereo Underground program, and most recently the man behind the remastered One Foot in the Algarve show in Downing Christchurch. Uh, welcome, Richard. Hi there, Tom. That's scary you say October 1990 because the first series was at the start of that year, wasn't it? So then I was- didn't realise that the second series came round so quickly. In the same year. It's quite a rare thing to happen, mm. isn't it? I suppose he's writing it in 1989, ready to air the start of 1990, and yeah, plenty of time to write a second series and air it yeah. by the end of night. And a Christmas special, of course, right at the end. Oh, gosh, of course, yeah, that's quite unique. I remember the... I did a doc once on Some Others Do Have Them, and there was two series there that were very close together. Um, and there was some worrying kind of worrying interesting kind of stat that when they were filming the third episode they were in the studio whilst the first episode was actually going out on air so oh no one actually got to watch it because they were still working on the series and you never think of it like that do you that it's a job and that there's a chance that they might not actually see it go out on the telly when everyone else does some things are commissioned for a second series as the first series has been written isn't it so they, mm. they can get quite ahead of the game uh, did you watch that sitcom Stephen Merchant written earlier this year oh, which well one was a couple of years ago but it was he's done the two series why have I forgotten the name that's embarrassing set in Bristol can't remember the name of it no like I a... think I know the one you meant um yeah but no I, I watched it and I can't one. remember it yeah <laughs> but basically it was good then <laughs> it was it, I mean it was good I'm just gonna have to look it up but he was commissioned a second series as he's writing the first wow I'm just trying to find it Come on, what was it? Well, the famous story of commissioning is that uh, Blake 7, that old science fiction program, it was supposed to end at the end of series three where the spaceship explodes and um, all the cast and the crew and the production team were watching it at home. And during that that final episode of series three, the controller of BBC One 
rang in to the continuity announcer and said, I want you to say over the end credits that Blake Seven will return for a fourth series because I've enjoyed this so much. And then everyone watching, that was the first they heard that they were going to be doing another series, which is crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. I've just thought of it as out, Outlaws or Outlaw. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was good. Yes, yes. That's I very good. See it. I haven't rewatched it, but I did see it at the time. Yeah, it's quite fun. It's close, film close to where I live, really. Bristol's not that far. I've got a lot of family from Bristol. But anyway, by the time this episode goes out, it will be actually the start of next year. But we've last week, we had the very successful One Foot in the Algarve event down at the region, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you say very successful. I thought it was um, really successful as well. We we raised over a thousand pounds for children in need. Oh, which brilliant! Is brilliant because yeah, the tickets were free, and we were solely relying on donations on the door, and that was <laughs> that was great to see people really digging deep into their pockets. There was also money raised for the upkeep of the Regent Cinema because it's an independent local cinema. Oh, good. So they were really pleased. They got a lovely little sum of money out of it as well. And um, I must thank the people at the region because they really went above and beyond. And they were so kind with their time and allowing us to basically do what we wanted. And um, I think they were chuffed as well because it was nearly full. I know that every single one of the 550-odd tickets did go, but obviously when tickets go, you've got to hope then people turn up. There was only a few empty seats. I think it was well, a yeah, packed I, house. When, there's, when they're free tickets, I think some people don't feel the pressure to have to turn up there, but I just think maybe a few people thought, I'll put the tickets and see if I can go. And then they, mm. a couple maybe couldn't. But yeah, it was packed out otherwise yeah I had a yeah great time it's uh oh good really fun enjoyed it wasn't it lovely to watch it with other fans and general members of the public as well and just hear the laughter <laughs> from everyone there there were certain parts of it that seemed to go particularly well what were the parts that you think worked well with the audience because there's a couple of that i thought worked well I think any. I think actually, Annette Crosby's lines get the biggest laughs. I think she's an underrated uh, mm. comedy actress. I mean, obviously, the quality was amazing. You just taken that in, you know. Yeah, yeah obviously, you spend many hours, hundreds yes. of hours. I'd have thought upscaling that. Did you? When did you start that process? Was that that was about early this year, last year, months ago? Yeah, must have been about three months. Crikey, I'm trying to remember when we had it scanned and sent down. What are we in now? We're speaking in November. Um, I'm pretty sure it must have been around June, July time, mm. September. Yeah, maybe June time even. Um, and yeah, that it was sent down a massive drive. It was. <laughs> would you believe it was about? If you're a computer techno person, I think the raw files for that for the scan came to about four terabytes. Four yeah. terabytes for one episode. Yeah, if people aren't granted, aware of what that means. Ninety-minute episode, so ninety-minute. So if you download a regular file, well, a, a a film from Sky or something, and it's mm. an hour and a half, it's probably about a gigabyte. Yeah, obviously, has about a thousand odd gigabytes in one terabyte. Yeah, you did four terabytes. Yeah, it that was is big. absolutely massive insane. Drive arrived in the post, massive, and one of those drives you have to have its own power supply to. Um, but yeah, it was it, it, it was nerve wracking as it always is whenever I'm involved in any of those cinema screenings and launches. Until the actual thing is on the screen and is going mm. along, <laughs> you're so nervous as to whether it's going to look all right. But I was surprised. I I knew that Paul, who was grading it, had done a fantastic job, 
Um, and I'd obviously I'd watched it on my computer. I'd watched it on a television grading monitor, which is great, but obviously quite small. It's not until it's on the big screen that you actually get a real sense of the scale of it. And the, mm. I thought the grade was gorgeous and just the clarity of it, wasn't it? Didn't it feel like a feature film? It did. It, the whole the whole atmosphere felt like we're at a cinema and we're watching a film. <laughs> it's very surreal. And Doreen to my left watching oh, it and yes. I, I couldn't help but look I was constantly looking over at her and she would her face was absolutely lit up she was uh, obviously taking it in really where, whereabouts were you sat because I, I didn't know I where was you supposed to be at the front but um after uh, some of my colleagues came off stage we wanted to go to the back because I wanted to check a couple of my colleagues were filming and I yeah. wanted to make sure they were happy and then by the time it started I felt like I would have been a bit of a nana if I'd, I'd had to walk all the way through everyone to then go <laughs> find a seat and I didn't want to get in anyone's way so I found uh, a seat oh that's about good about two-thirds of the way back and I sat there and that was quite nice, actually, because also I, I did kind of want to sneakily look Get, at everyone and just see how take it, it in. was going down. Yeah, definitely. And what a mix of ages as well. Yeah. That was really interesting, um, particularly when – so I did a, a couple of bits on stage, which you can hear in your podcast, which I've yet to listen to. I, I, I slightly recorded myself. the event because I thought, you know, <laughs> why not? Can't, don't blame me at all. <laughs> but um, when you were on stage and you're looking out, I was surprised yeah. – there was a real diverse selection. The guys that turned up with the waxwork of Doreen, yeah. Um, I'd obviously I'd spoken to them on the phone and I knew that they'd listened to the radio station, but they were still even younger than I imagined when they turned up, which is a compliment. I hope they're listening. <laughs> uh, I hope they're listening. That's another listener to, to add to the collection. So, was that waxwork? Was it a mannequin and then dressed? Yeah, yeah. I should say, yeah. It was a mannequin, but they'd managed to find exactly the same clothes that the waxwork in the episode yes. had. And then a kind of a mask, which they'd made up to, to look like Dory. And I thought they'd done a good job. They did an amazing um, job. It was lovely to have that there. I mean, a lot of people must have looked at the one <laughs> this, this, particularly when it wasn't explained for the first half hour. I think it was only yeah. when Doreen was being interviewed. Um, but the hardcore fans would have known, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, what was it, it was... like for you not being able to take part in the quiz, by the way? Because... Oh, you know, yeah. I was. Well, that's okay because I'm forever hosting quizzes, and I don't mind not taking part in them. But there's some. There was some. There were good prizes. There were Blu-rays you were giving out as well, wouldn't they? They were just yeah. There was a Doctor Who Blu-rays, Morecambe and Wise, Lost Episodes, Forty <laughs> Towers box set. Um, yeah, I think that went down quite well, um, and everyone seemed to be having a laugh with that. Um, again, a real variety of people that got the right answers to it. Um, Did you get I... to test the film out on the screen before everyone came in? Because you're obviously worried about. Yeah, I, I, I was really worried. So I had been down in the days before and I'd handed over the hard drive and I had to leave it with them because, of course, most of the time there's already a film being yeah. shown. So yeah. the guys then rang me back each day and said, we've had five minutes, we've checked the intro video, the behind-the-scenes material, that's fine. And then they ran back the next day and said, no, we've checked the other video, that's <laughs> fine. And then the third day they said, and we've checked the main feature and that looks amazing. So that that's, was good. that's good, yeah. Doreen was so pleased to be there. Wasn't yes, she? she she really wanted to be there, and I thought Anna, her carer, was lovely, and I Anna, yeah, I think was amazed because she hadn't really experienced Dory no. on screen, um, no, because she was saying you know Dory with with some sight issues doesn't really watch television, so 
I think that was a surprise for her. So they seemed quite, quite kind of overcome with it. Yeah. Uh, and she, of course, she had that journey down, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> the car broke <laughs> down a bit like the episode itself. She, poor, poor, poor Doreen. Yeah. That's quite a, quite a journey from Wimbledon, I think, wherever it is she lives. Yeah. And uh, yeah, great event and credit to you. Oh, you know, good, that's, you. I hope there's another event like that. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I've got my thinking cap on. I've got a few ideas for a few other okay. programs and bits and pieces. I would just love for the episode to be seen more widely, and we're in the process of just giving it a little bit more TLC, and then we'd like to hand it over to the BBC archive, and then yep. I'm going to drop a line to whoever runs BBC iPlayer to see whether they could switch it for the HD version on there. Um, that would be good. Um, fingers crossed. Um, also, please do let me know if you see it scheduled for a repeat anywhere, because I'm not talking UK gold, but if it's on BBC4 in particular, let me know, because okay. I know someone who might be able to get that switched to the HD version. I can't promise Amazing. anything. All right. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. Wave the flag and say, come on, put that on. <laughs> yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Well, that, yeah. I mean, when this episode goes out, as so we're talking in, on a Sunday... 13th of November, but I'd imagine it's February next year because I'm released. This is episode three. Oh. So I think it actually might go out in January. It's just I wanted to start fresh in 2023. But yeah, you'll be listening to this, listeners going, oh, that was quite some time ago. I wish I'd known about it. But yeah. quite a few people said they wish they'd heard about the um, tickets going on sale. But that, these things happen, isn't it? You know, things uh, come and go. And we're not always aware. But we did plenty of plug-in, I think. Oh but, um, no, thank you. Yeah, and were there a lot of your listeners? Did you bump into anyone at all that I did? Yeah, is a podcast. Good. I did. Yeah, but I met quite a few people. I I've been keeping in touch with. They said they'd go down. There's a a few people I I I'd never really spoken to who introduced themselves. So that was quite a right. funny moment. I I just started this podcast out as a you know just a geek out on a great sitcom. Little did I think I'd be uh, going to a, an event. I want it in the grave event and sort of having a small part talking about a podcast, but yeah, yeah it's very good. Alex is entertaining, isn't he? I didn't realize he's quite the comedian. Yeah. And did you enjoy it when you were invited up on stage and, and did? Yeah, I was, Alex. Yeah, I did. I was a little nervous. I didn't, didn't I've never spoken to that many people in my life in, in one room, a little more than a few people in, in a classroom maybe, but yeah, you sort of blank out the people in front of you, but you know, you guys are obviously that's your, bread and butter isn't it talking to people well, well, obviously over radio but they're still it's still easier <clears> into a microphone than it is actually in person i find that it's still very nerve-wracking because in person of course people can fight back can't they? they can heckle <laughs> you back they can they can see the whites of your eyes yes There's something um a bit more uh reassuring about talking into a microphone where you don't necessarily uh get a reaction that you just expect everyone to be laughing That's right yeah <laughs> um as you well know um but yeah the, i think they all seemed appreciative and i think it was the right length of the the behind the scenes stuff and it was quite nice when we played the south today behind the scenes features and previous features that had done one i'd done one my colleague steve humphreys had done and then the stuff from owen brendan i think that got a few laughs didn't it some of the oh yeah they loved clips it in there. yeah not everyone's seen those owen brendan clips um uh, yeah yeah it was it was good to have those extras, the audience participation, the quiz. It was a great night, and do, do, having Dorian there is the cherry 
on the icing yeah. of the cake, isn't it? So yeah, and she's rung me two or three times since the event just to say how much she enjoyed it. Oh, that's and um, that's well, that's sweet. Wants to stay in touch. Wants to know if there's anything else happening. Had a nice. Bless. Um, I, I I let David Renwick know that it had gone really well, and he seemed really pleased. Had a nice email back from him. Oh, um, that's nice. So yeah, just just delighted, really overwhelmed and delighted, and ever so slightly shattered. I suspect you have oh, emotion. Yes. Yeah, all, all the emotions. Can we talk briefly about the local radio situation? Obviously, there was that the announcement leading up to the event that yeah. BBC Radio Local stations make well some big cuts. What's it the situation? A, it, was a, it was a tough week actually because there was an announcement that there will be significant cuts to a lot of local radio mm. programs, and the details are still quite vague. Still up in the air exactly what's going to happen um unfortunately all presenters have been placed at risk of redundancy and that includes myself and that was quite a bolt out of the blue for a lot of people um so we're just waiting to hear what's coming next waiting to hear what programs are going to remain mm. um, but what i keep saying to my listeners is because it's quite hard from a mental health point of view i was trying to explain this actually to some colleagues the other day that when you're on the radio and you're doing stuff and people interact with you, particularly on social media platforms like Twitter, um, and then they read that there's going to be local radio cuts, you get a lot of messages saying, I hope your show's not going to go. I hope you're, what's happening, what's happening? And I don't know. You know, there's only so much I know. And obviously I can only, when I do know things, I can only say things when I'm told I can. Of course. So I'm just having to say to people, when I know and I'm allowed to say I will, but um, obviously, yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping to uh, to still be doing output and still be doing projects and things. And I'd like to think that the one foot in the grave event, perversely happening that very week, um, will help when it comes round to me having to effectively either reapply for my job or reapply for another job or whatever's left on the table. Yeah, I can say well. Look at these great events that we can we can do more of these. Is your is the producing work you do a separate entity to your radio slot? Because obviously, yeah. You, is, so is that a separate contract? I don't know how it works. Or it's it's same contract, so it's the same job. So, for example, the one foot stuff. A lot of the supporting material will be seen mm. as part of my job. I've got some weird title like multimedia producer presenter, which basically means you make stuff that's primarily for radio, but also yeah. for telly and also for online. And things like the one foot event, that's seen as engaging with the community. It's also seen as providing content because I'd arranged interviews, you know, with you, yeah. with Doreen, with the restorer. We've done yeah. pre-recorded packages and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's content for the radio station as well as the event itself. And you also assist colleagues like my colleague Simon, who made a piece then for South Today, and my colleague Kate, who's making stuff for social media. Um, so that's all part of my main job. It's only other bits and pieces that I do in what little spare time I have remaining, things like Doctor Who or The Young Ones, Worst Gummage and stuff like that, that's completely separate to my uh, BBC South job. But, um, yeah, the one-foot thing was all part of BBC South. So fair play to my boss, Debbie. Plenty of scope to your skill set, though. There's, I don't think you have a problem walking into another, even if it's a private radio, you know, like a corporate, like Virgin Radio, for example. Oh, well, I thought for a moment then you were going to say walking into a McDonald's KFC. <laughs> 
spudgy like are they still going <laughs> you know like. i don't know if they are transferable <laughs> skills i think to any fast food retail outlet so, so victor talks maybe... about victor talks about a big whoppers blitzers found in his garden then it start this episode he does he does yes maybe that's where i got the idea from <laughs> um but yeah I, I, um... I yeah i'm sorry that you're all in that position but let's hope that it opens a new uh pathway to something different and it's all meant to be you know exactly exactly and there's a lot of people that are going through similar things at the moment Mm. they don't want to be all woe is me because the end of the day it's not going down the mine there are people that do far more deserving jobs and uh worthwhile jobs that are being treated appallingly in other parts of the, the world and um other industries and it's just a tough time for everyone at the moment so i just hope um i get to the end of every year at the moment and think well surely next year is going to be better it's got to be <laughs> yeah that's all in our mindset it's a new year fresh year come on it is well, so let's see okay. what 2023 has in store positive things i i am sure it's it's all about your mindset we'll be keeping a close eye on what, what happens to you guys guys and yeah. girls Hopefully should we crack on with re- not replaced with a box my box like yeah was yeah and that if you're a security guard you have to have some concerns but yeah i mean I suppose you speak via a box don't you but you still need a human being for it to be more personalized i don't think a robot could ever quite replace a dj for this jockey because give even it if another they... 10 years I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh don't that's a scary prospect yeah. anyway should we crack on with mm. dramatic fever Oh, yes, yes. Tell okay. Me. You watch this. Yes. You watch this. Okay. When you watched Dramatic Fever, you said it's quite some time since you last viewed it. What What were your thoughts my initially? My thoughts were, my goodness, doesn't this look different to the following series? I forgot how much series two looks like series one. Because in my mind, because it's a different house when they get to series two, I always thought a bit like Blackadder, a bit mm. like Drop the Dead Donkey, a bit like <clears throat> other places where the first series of a lot of particularly sitcoms tends to look very different because it's kind of an exploratory thing for a lot of people going into it, whether it's the actors, the writers, whoever, yeah. the, the production team. And then you find that they learn lessons. And then usually from series two onwards, it looks very similar uh, and they kind of find the groove but actually i thought series two reminded me more of the style and the look and the feel of series one and i think part of that is the score was it ed welsh was doing the instrumental score yeah that one um i thought that was still very much his kind of early style for the series i thought the directing from i'm guessing it was susan belbin yeah yeah i thought the directing um, it was a, it, it left a bit more room to breathe on that compared to some of the more tighter stuff that was to come later. Um, I think series three was where it found a real groove and a real style. Not to say there's anything wrong with series one and two. Yeah. I thought series three onwards is where you get the really bankable, memorable episodes. Yes. Um, series two, it's still... It's it's still got the pathos. It's still got some wonderful episodes in there, isn't it? Will you buy and stuff like that? But dramatic fever, um, it really looked like a series one episode. And... Yeah, it's, it's, do you think it's all the browns and beiges? Because when they first yeah. move into Riverbank, it's a clean slate. They're, all the walls are white. They haven't really got any furnishings, and it actually looks like quite a modern. Mm. These days, less is more, isn't it? 
But obviously, mm. as as those the series progressed in series two, it started to look a bit dated again, more in line with their age group. But obviously, I think it's also the the, the clothes they wear. I've spoken about this before. They they if you, most 15, 60 year olds they are dressing like thirty year olds. Yeah, it, they yeah, just got the, the style there. is yeah. there. It, they just look that much younger. I mean, Mar- Margaret, it, it's that thing. And when you watch this when you're young, they seem like old people. But you watch it back now, their yeah. skin complexion is quite fresh. They're quite, they are quite young still. Yeah, they're not very, eighty or ninety. Very much so. Yeah, and um, it sounds pathetic to say this, but for years when you used to watch four by three television repeated, a lot of televisions would stretch it. To mm. fill the widescreen televisions. So when I watch some things like that now, everyone looks to my eyes too thin. But that I know they're right and it's more accurate. But that's only because I've been used to watching it badly on <laughs> <laughs> for years. But um, yeah, I, I not to take anything away from it. I thought it was very very enjoyable. Um, I thought particularly the theatre stuff was great. Oh, it's um, it's the creative episode, isn't it? They they're both oh, got their creative juices flowing in this. Yeah, yeah, it really, really good, really entertaining. Look at the 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 depth and the range of the filming as well. So you look at the outside filming, the OB filming, and then you look at the filming in the studio. There's a wealth of both. It's mm. quite evenly matched, but they've obviously gone the extra mile to try and make it feel like it's not just a traditional sitcom, not just at home. You know, there's 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 yeah. the OB exterior filming, which is great. Um, I also thought all the supporting roles, the supporting cast was particularly yeah. good. Um, I love it when they reference other BBC television productions. So <laughs> getting the reference in there for Bergerac, it just yeah. feels so funny. It's funny watching it now because it feels like it's a it's a retro reference, obviously. But Bergerac was on at the time when that happened. God, I used to know. I never rewatched really watched Bergerac, but it makes me Bergerac want to watch it. See? I th- I think it was the last series in nineteen ninety. I think, I think. Don't quote me on that. I used to know that, but I'm pretty sure it ran for a decade. I think it was about eighty to ninety. Um, so it would have been on that year. Um, I was I was I was thinking David had written an episode or two of Bergerac, but that was Poirot he'd he'd written for a few episodes worth. Oh yes, yes yeah, of course, of course. Um, but I mean, this this. It opens up with the, the Meldrews have just been to watch a play, have they not, at a local theatre? Yeah. And Victor, for some reason, thought he was watching The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. But they were actually watching a Peter Pan yeah. production. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What are the Meldrews doing watching Peter Pan? I'm sure it's Peter Pan. Did I write that down? Yeah. It was something like that. I think it was Peter Pan. And yeah, well, I mean, th- some things don't bear close examination do they but for the purposes of the gag i thought that was great and i think you see a lot of moments of that don't you where they're coming back to their house and they're talking about something that they've experienced yeah and you're kind of living it through them um and they paint the picture with the 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 wordplay between the two of them paints the picture so well and makes it so believable. The yeah. other thing that I really like in this episode is the. I hope you don't mind me skipping ahead to bits. Car- you, you carry on. Remember bits that I think I forgot that was in this episode. <laughs> but the phone calls mm. from the 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 wrong numbers and the BBC snooker switchboard. switchboard. Snooker switchboard. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Good morning. My name 
is Mr. R.S. Gridley, ringing from Kidderminster. Yes. K-I-D-D-M-I-N-S-T-E-R. Yes. In first place, shot B, Mike Hallett against John Verger. <laughs> what? Shot D, Doug Mountjoy against Jimmy White. I beg your pardon? In third place, shot H, Dennis Taylor against Bill Webernick. Dennis Taylor? Hello? Hello! <laughs> I forgot that was in this one. Um, and that's just absolute genius, isn't it? I mean, what great idea to have all those people, all those voices. Some of them are Eric Idle, aren't they? No, I thought that. Is it Eric Idle? But the voice actors, um, they are... Hang on, I've got them written down here. This should be interesting. So John Sessions and oh, right. and Chris Emmett. Uh, okay, you know. right. Yeah. So they both um, provided the voice. Yeah, but the Eric Idle one I thought was Eric Idle. Yes. Hello. Hello. This is Eric Idle here, speaking <laughs> from Stockholm, Sweden. And here are my votes in the BBC shot of the championship. <laughs> Look, what am I, Katie Boyle? <laughs> You're all coming through to a private number. Do you understand? <laughs> Go away! <laughs> Years well, when would, I first you watched. You would, you would, but obviously with the. But he was because since Eric Idle wrote, yeah, wrote and sang he, the theme tune. Was he in that year's Christmas special? The following years, followed ninety-one. The man in the long black coat. He was yeah. He was, he played a. Chat from the local council, part my camera, which um, was it? Health, not health and safety, something along those lines. Yeah, that that's also it reminds me because it must be, it must have been that David had heard that someone was getting phone calls because their 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 phone number was a digit away. Oh yeah, like or a cross line or something along those lines. Yeah, I remember cross lines. God, cross lines I used to find fascinating. <laughs> we could hear other people's phone conversations. That was interesting. Um, I think, though, I mean, I, I can remember my grandparents used to get uh, missed calls in the middle of the night because they were one digit away from an undertaker's. Oh, my and goodness. Of course, when people had experienced something particularly sad, particularly in the late night, early hours, yeah, they would then be dialing and they'd dial the wrong number and they're <laughs> constantly getting... Um, yeah, my my in-laws, um, they, they built their house. Well, the builders built it, but my father-in-law he's, he's quite handy and it's in manchester and even though it's a new house it's only about five or six years ago their line that was connected was uh, it used to be a takeaway or pub phone number oh, no. they obviously oh, no. were recycled it was a recycled number so they constantly get phone calls for order for people placing orders it doesn't happen anymore but yeah it can happen and it's i suppose david's there writing thinking what will what would annoy victor you know he's trying to Dramatic fever is is all about the creativity uh, expressed by both Meldrews and so he's trying to he's he's a script he's script writing. Yeah, uh, David must yeah. have had a lot of fun with this being a script oh, writer himself. Yeah, yeah. And it's and the, <sighs> the, the, the the idea of just Victor plowing all of his energy into something that's hopefully going to bear fruit, and yeah. then Margaret obviously destroying it. That is really harsh. That was it? that is yeah. She somewhat, she does look like she regrets her running her mouth a bit with that. 
were you amazed with how quick she, in that scene where she she's ridiculing the script, didn't she? Fix yeah. is taken aback by it. Margaret realizes she she has she's recorded the program for Desiree Gibbon or yeah. Gibson. No, it is Gibson. He he refers to her as Gibbon. She goes to get the tape from the machine. Eight or nine seconds later, returns to the kitchen, and the script is ripped up. Obviously, you haven't heard that happen, and it's no. quick as a flash, isn't it? I'm absolutely amazed. I wouldn't have believed you had it in you. Forty-five pages of absolute drivel. <laughs> what? Is this supposed to be funny? What do you mean? Well, wouldn't happen, would it? Stupid things like that in real life. Where do you get such ridiculous ideas? That, I think that's a lovely moment, though, isn't it? Because it shows how much he respects her opinion and how much he wouldn't even bother going to anyone else for a take on it and therefore how wedded he is to her. I she, think that's, yeah. quite, that's quite touching, even though it's a sad thing to happen. She was very eager to read because he was quite proud of his work. He was chuckling away, which is funny in itself, Richard Wilson's... Anytime Rich Wilson laughs as, as Victor, which is not often, it's very funny. Yeah. And he was very protective of his script. He didn't want her to read it until it finished, which is fair enough. But it makes you wonder, had he got some feedback earlier? Would she might not have been... Because she was obviously given a... Well, it wasn't really constructive, was it? But she was, she read it all. But if she just read bits, she might be able to feedback more... bit More productive feedback, should we say. More constructive yeah. feedback. Yeah. And then he might be able to... But it's a shame because, like she said, she he, she he could have shown that script to one of Desiree Gibson's contacts. You never know. But yeah, he I don't. As far as we tell, he will never pick up a a pen or paper or, or typewriter again and and have another go. Sad. It is sad. But um, that's one of the things that we've come to love the series for, though, isn't it? Those moments of it, it kind of brings you crashing straight back down to earth, doesn't it? Yeah. And maybe it's when something like that happens. <clears throat> that you can then on balance get away with the potentially ridiculous out there idea of him going to watch her <laughs> in the theatre and all those things going wrong and him not realising that... That is brilliant, isn't acting. it? It's actually like, oh, that's so... so isn't that clever? Isn't that yeah, just... Very, very clever. Um, and it just it makes you feel like it's that perfection of a joke where you... you think i'm really in on this and therefore i appreciate it even more it's like it feels like a club but it's not an exclusive club you know it's it's difficult to describe i hear it about radio a lot where you have to try and connect with someone and make them feel like they're on your wavelength Mm. but don't make it feel like an exclusive elitist club and that to me is this episode where you've really got into the mindset, you're starting to feel the emotions that the characters have, whether that's the disappointment yeah. or the elation, but also you're you're seeing what's going on there and you think this is crazy. This is, you know, how can he not realize nah. that this is a this isn't this you know, this is just a rehearsal going wrong, particularly with all the visual effects and stuff. <laughs> they're obviously very convincing to to victor i mean he mm. he doesn't know any better does he i suppose no. but i think it's also quite interesting that margaret's mother is staying for however many however many nights and we don't see her but it's a it's 
very it mirrors um mr sweeney and his mother don't ever yeah. see the mother yeah. don't see mark you hear mark margaret's mother she leaves a voicemail in a later episode it's warm champ not warm champagne the pit and the pendulum. pendulum yeah and, and don't you think though there are other sitcoms that would have shown the mother and i don't think it would have worked as well i think it if you look at 2.4 children for example where they yeah. do show the elderly relatives yeah it works but in a different way whereas i think here it wouldn't have worked if you'd have seen those elderly people because you kind of don't you don't there isn't room there's so much else going on to worry about to think about to even introduce her as a mother you've then got to paint a backstory you've got to give her a character you've she's then got presence it's all about the gravitational pull isn't it of the characters it's, that are on it's, the screen and it would be too much to have another i agree it, it's better to leave it to our imagination isn't it yeah like that, captain mannerings exactly like that and did you watch this country Yes, yes. So Carrie's yeah. mum, you, you can hear her, that's for sure. But it's obviously, that is actually her voice, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Screaming out, Carrie! And look at the um, the one with Mr. Swaney where she has all those bells and whistles <laughs> to indicate what's going on in that in that episode, that later episode. Yes. And you think that works so well. That is so funny. Because we never see her. And so in your mind, you're painting the picture of how she has all of these, these apparatus. It is clever. That is yeah. a clever way to write that kind of unseen character because mm. we all collectively have a probably have a similar uh, imagination of what's going on and what that person's like. But it'll all be we'll all be probably thinking something slightly different. But we're all laughing. Theatre of the mind, isn't it? Theatre of the mind is a great. Yeah. It's a great way to put it. The Margaret being interested in acting is is sort of come from nowhere. As much as Victor being interested in script writing, but that we have seen some create plenty of creative sides to Victor with the ventriloquism. He's appeared in a nativity play or two. I think he was in the Who's Listening Christmas special. Reluctantly, you know, caved to Mrs. Warboys' plea to to appear in the local community uh, show as the back back end of a cow. I'm sure he's done some other things. Well, we're running an allotment and things like that. It's just it's having the hobbies isn't it the interests and the um the kind of get up and go to do it it's that traditional thing that old age pensioners you retirees people that are forced to retire yeah get a hobby do something keep your brain active and i don't know about you i'm not naming names here but people of an elderly generation i find when they don't have hobbies and don't have things to do make a mountain out of a molehill over the smallest little thing Mm. happens in the life i know people that would say to me i can't i can't see you today because i've got a printer arriving from amazon later this week and i've got to prepare yeah what you know quite a lot of time on their hands and victor's like that but he does try but margaret ridicules him for for the hobbies yes there's a lot of fans will say they they get a little bit fed up of margaret's uh quite brutal put downs yeah, I mean it's not just the script. I think she's she's the same with his magician work and yeah, the ventriloquism. Is she still part time working? Isn't she? She's, she's still part time at the florists. She is, yeah. yeah. And there's so many great gags in one foot. A lot of them are planted early doors, and you probably know they're going to come back. And there's going to be a great reveal, but you think sort of come in the least least expected way. You think it's going to yeah. conclude. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's talk of going to this Desiree Gibson's house for a uh, Bergerac. Was it a Bergerac party? Because she got was, a line in was. Bergerac, and 
and Margaret's quite chuffed that she's been invited. I mean, she's, I think Desiree Gibson is a now a bit of a local celebrity in wherever the Meldrews live because she's made it, so to speak. And the, I think it is quite funny that she's made this big deal. I mean, to be fair, I, I don't know if David had written this bit to sort of make poke fun at someone who is making a big deal out of a very small role. But I think you would go, look, I'm an amateur. I'm an amateur dramatics, but I'm in this well-known series that actually I have to defend Desiree Hens and say, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I put on a party, but I'd certainly gather around <laughs> yeah. with the family at home. Look, I'm in this, if I was in like Jonathan Creek, if I was old enough to be back in the late 90s, if I was an actor, I'd be like, I've got a lineage. I, I use Jonathan Creek as an example because it's, you know, mystery drama. You know, it's the shock and the gag of she's made such a meal out of this and then <laughs> literally within the first 10 seconds it's over. Um, I mean, that's that's just beautiful isn't it we all know people that would really absolutely milk it yes flog it morning sergeant how are you today just about to stay in the course my love uh fillet steak i think medium rare and uh drop of the chardonnay i think we've got a bottle i'll just check jim over here what are you doing here you old reprobate (laughs) (laughs) brilliant you have to do much research for a part like that dizzy um, the other thing about this episode that struck me, and you'd know more than I would, is this the first time he takes revenge on someone? That's a good question, because that is a bit of a cock-up from Victor, isn't it? He he tries mm. to... But the motive um, there is to get his own back. Isn't this the first time he tries to do that? It becomes more of a theme in Series 3, doesn't it? Yeah, he's, he's, he's forever out for revenge. And... Oh, yeah. You you could be right. This could be. I think it is, isn't it? And I think it's there's something so delicious about the fact that he set himself a time to go and do this little job, <laughs> and made made it something on his itinerary to tick off. This isn't you know a crime of passion, is it? In the heat of the moment, this is something he's carefully carefully plotted out, and that's what makes it so delicious to watch. Particularly when he then gets it wrong. Um, <laughs> And then it becomes a thing, doesn't it? It becomes part of his personality, something that you you would expect later. Would you would you confront a anyone, let alone a, a big buff builder who's littered? No, but he's done the cowardly thing of not confronting them, has he? And instead wreaking revenge with. No, I think he he did well. He did confront them, and he was attacked, wasn't he, with the piping around his head. Oh no! Yes, he was. Yes. Sorry. So then he—that's he when he went out to. to I think Victor's anything but a coward, isn't he? But I, yes. I suppose when he when he seeks revenge, he doesn't want to be seen. So that's why he hides in the car. So to be fair, he's probably thinking. I suppose if he wasn't attacked, and he just got a bit of a bit of verbal, and both went about their day, and then he returned the next day, I think he wouldn't mind being seen dumping rubbish in the car because it's like. You know, you're not going to do anything to me, but he's already been attacked by this guy, so that's why. He, I mean, what a what a cock up though, and it oh, turns out to be a separate sports car, oh, which yeah. I mean, it's a small world they live in because obviously at the end of that, <laughs> the end of that episode, that guy is going to do a bit of a Jonathan Creek himself and and finds some evidence that to support it. it's Victor's doing. Well, that's um, how they catch fly tippers, isn't it? There's something yeah, yeah, the rubbish. And that's basically what this guy's done. Um, and I thought it ties it up really neatly, doesn't it? Yeah. It's um, 
what was the way I did a Young Ones thing recently and the producer, that Paul Jackson, was explaining to me, I had heard it before, but I've forgotten it until you mentioned it. Something about a cat up a tree where in a sitcom you have, I think Hitchcock called it a MacGuffin. It's an excuse for the plot. And so yeah. in, like in Psycho, the woman steals the money and then runs to the motel and gets murdered. Um, so in a sitcom, it's called Cat Up a Tree where um, you establish the setting, the cat goes yeah. up a tree, then everyone panics, everyone things happen and then at the end of the episode the cat comes back down the tree and that's exactly what happens here that um he goes to to seek revenge the cat goes up a tree you're thinking oh goodness what's going to happen what's going to happen then right at the end the cat comes back down the tree when the guy says i've got a picture of the guy he left this negative in there in the rubbish if i find him, i'm going to punch him and then he appears to see and say anyone want to walk which is <laughs> which is a brilliant payoff yeah. I've got to take issue with Desiree, though, with this all set about, because Margaret's mother lives in Kettering, mm-hmm. and it's a great play on words with catering. And this has sort of come about, obviously we've spoken about Victor trying to, he's got a bit of peace at last, trying to write his, continuing with his situation comedy script. Numerous phone calls from, do you remember the name, the, com- the comedy names that came through? It's just, um Mr. R.S. Gridley. Oh, from Kidderminster. Yes. yes, 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 that's good. James, Gordon James Cacoldi and Ulrich Idol. And then eventually Desiree Gibson. And, yeah, she's trying to get in touch with Margaret to, uh, yeah. I mean, Victor make, jumps to conclusions. Oh, you want to get hold of She's in Ket- uh, Kettering. She even pronounces it Kettering, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. In that posh. She's in Kettering. <laughs> so that it works because, you know, she's going to confuse Victor by... Not even confuse him. He just rightly makes that assumption. She wants to get hold of Margaret, who's in Kettering. And bring and a copy of the bill. Bring off the bill. Now, why on earth was that the Meldrews' fault? I, I, that is, <laughs> it, it's very unjust that they got they got sort of reprimanded at the end there. Then they still went out to buy a big whopper for everybody or a takeaway. I can't believe Victor went along with that. I can't believe he said, hang on a minute. You're the one who got it asked about face as usual, as Mr. Gibson says to Desiree. I can't I can't work out why the male just went along with that. I know Margaret's constantly trying to dig them out of a hole. She she likes to co- cover up for them throughout the whole series. So if you take the uh we have put a living in the tomb with the tortoise, you know, when they burnt mm, Kylie yes, the tortoise, and yes. she and she goes to get another one. She gets another one. Victor just wants to tell the truth. It's another episode in I think it's uh, Monday morning will be fine, the start of series three. Yeah. Where a mate down the pub he used to go to school with who thinks Vic's is someone totally different and starts slacking off this guy called Victor Meldrew. And he's too ashamed to say, well, I'm actually Victor. You've got the wrong person. Oh, yeah. And Margaret goes along with it and doesn't want to, you know, yes. what I, I think. Diana I, Coupland is in that, isn't she? Yeah, that's right. So there's quite a few times where Margaret's trying to just cover their tracks. So I can see why Margaret just felt guilty and said, okay, fair enough. We'll, we'll make it. We'll, we'll fix this for you. But, or make it work, like that phrase, fix it. Yeah. But why Victor went along, I, I would have thought he said, no, sod that, like, that's your problem, we're, we're going home, you know. But well, Maybe maybe they were being paid, or maybe they said, oh, look, we'll give you 50 quid. If you oh, yeah, that's that a good point, money. actually. I they would have been paid, wouldn't they, with the bill? driven so far, and yeah, I I think maybe maybe they're just trying to be nice people, and also maybe, maybe she thought there was an opportunity to still get in with them. Uh, yeah. If she's that keen about acting, 
Um, but obviously that wasn't to be because <laughs> presumably Victor gets assaulted and punched by the guy when. Um... Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he's going to get another, yeah. Yeah. another black eye or a bruise. Um, going back early into the episode, um, they were watching um some slideshows from Margaret's mother's aid here. Yes, I used to love looking at slides on the big white screen projector. I imagine you've got that at home. I don't know why. Have you got slides or sli- I, a slide I projector? I don't have slides. I've got a projector. And mm. sometimes I can remember with grandparents and yeah. parents watching slides and going Yeah, through. We used to have the viewfinders as well that you could put a normal Oh, yeah, yeah. And look through there. That God, those. Fun. Yeah. Um, God, I wish those were there. They'd be in a box somewhere. Um, but, yeah, that's... That's very early nineties, isn't it? I, I got some fond memories of. You get to the end of the nineties, people weren't watching slides on white screen projectors, were they? No, I mean my uh, we we had a projector at home, but my dad would just use a white part of the wall in the end just yes. to. But it's just the clicking sound of putting in a slide and satisfying. It was satisfying. Um, and of course, and we it, see it again with um, Mrs. Warboys, don't we? With her, uh, we do in uh, Starbound. Yeah, yeah, her trip to Hollywood. But in this, it's it's rather conveniently covered up every single um, photo of Margaret's mother, so we still don't get to see what she looks like. That's again, that's a gag in itself, isn't it? It is, isn't it? How beautifully made is that? That's um, you could imagine that being in Dad's <laughs> army. And being a gag about Mannering's <laughs> wife or something, couldn't you? Yeah. Well, obviously, they never did it, but that would have also worked because it's so apparent by this point that you don't see specific people. Um, On that topic of Dad's Army, did I? Did you watch the film in 2016? Yeah, I did, they showed yeah. they they decided to cast Mannering's wife, and she had a bit of a part. I can't believe they did that. No, I wasn't a fan of that film, to be honest. It was alright. To- is it Toby moments. Jones? Yeah, yeah, he was good. Actors. Yeah, but I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you're always going to compare it to the to the family silver, aren't you? Really, it's um, true. But no, this I thought this was really good, really strong episode. It certainly piqued my interest to watch more of series two and maybe series three. Yes, again, because particularly, and I say series three to compare with the style and the feel to what the series yeah is like. Um, and this one came about what episode three was it series two? Uh, this is this is the yeah, halfway through series two. Um, I should think what else there's covered really. I mean, I I, I like how because how we're reviewing this is not how I usually would review, and I've been trying to think of a different way to do so, and, and you've inspired me to. Oh, sorry, am I leading no. you down other? What I'm trying to say is, I've I've been quite. I used to do things in the order they would would air, but I've always wanted to come at it like. Just come to whatever comes to your mind, speak about it. Yeah, and yeah. I've always found that difficult. And and I think the last time I, I think I did timeless when I yeah filmed uh, filmed recorded timeless time yes. a few weeks ago, end of series two. And I said to Ben, who I had on, well, I want to do this time, Ben. I don't want to go through minute by minute. Let's just pick out some highlights and talk about it. And I went back into old habits, and I just ended up going through. <laughs> so you've inspired me just to go straight at different parts. That's what I love about the series, though. That I mean, just talking to you now, I came in thinking my highlights would have been this, this, and this, and then you've triggered off other things that I found outrageously funny to throw in as well. Um, it's so textured, isn't it? There's so much oh. in each one that you you do forget 
what's what's really tickled you because you've you've got oh, your brain can only store a few highlights i suppose when you just think of it in a flash you know but then it was it's got a good pace to it there's a lot in there um I'm just... even the single scene episodes you know the the trial and timeless time seemingly not much going on but time passes that is the one liners and there's there's plenty of quite a lot of monologues that Victor could be just going off on a tangent or just l- looking back on life and what he's achieved and it's it just draws you in it's yeah, it's it it's amazing it um but I think it was an interesting episode to highlight or give us a little insight into their creative mindset Victor just dabbled in script writing seemingly gave up Margaret I'm not sure it suited her I mean Annette Crosby credit to an act professional actress who has to play a part in a sitcom where she's in amateur dramatics that's quite a, a weird one to play you know when we see at the theater and yes. she has to play she's sort of um an ex not an extra but she's got a small role and she just plays it so convincingly like she's just a normal person just trying to deliver her lines in a in a way that she thinks it's you know professional and convincing and it's she's con- ironically convincing as a am dram Yes. attendee it's it's i noticed that so it's the rp isn't it? it's the received pronunciation that she turns up in her performance yeah it's like she's overplaying it like yes an amdram person would um that must be hard to channel yourself as an actress in that yeah. direction when you're used to trying to play everything faithfully um but then how it switches to when everything starts going wrong and Victor still thinks she's acting, but actually she really isn't. It's um, clever, isn't it? Because we we already know that uh, the the chap who's um, is it Martin who's mucking about with the stage lights. So we, we we're already told, aren't we? You know, are you sure you're safe up there? Yeah. It sets us up, doesn't it? Victor then walks in. He's blocked the end, the, the emergency exit, which is very. I'm very surprised Victor would do that. I think he probably thought I'll be in and out. And yes, it's probably yes. a nightmare for not, parking. It's not a showing, is it? It's only a it's rehearsal. not showing. It's just rehearsals. It's really public here. So by, by the time he's in there, he, he's <laughs> he's just settling in, getting his M and M's out. Did you, did you know? Um, I was told this by David. He Richard wasn't actually in that theatre. It, it was there was this, there was what they did on stage, but in a totally different location. Filmed Richard just. Oh, was it? Is and I don't know why they do separately? that. Yeah, well, I don't know what the reason for that. People that would have been availability on. Mm. Richard compared with the rest of the cast. Yeah. And also, I imagine because there were so many stunts involved with the stage scene, that would have been a long day of filming mm. to get that right. Look at the fall as well. So there would have been a stunt artist doubling for the lady who fell off the balcony. Stunt artist as well doubling for the man that fell through the glass. Yeah. The fake sugar glass and everything. Yeah. Um I imagine that would have just been a long day where they'd said, right, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And they probably thought it's not worth filming Victor's reactions at the same time because that would tie up Richard for a day where he's not really doing much. Let's knock that off another time. Um, yeah. It's seamless, though, isn't it? His laugh, no his laughter, it, it's, it's the same. Do you remember the episode? I think it was uh, The Secret of the Seven Sorcerers when he's he's listening to. Monty He's listening Python. to a, a Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. And Mark, um, Jean's pouring her heart out about her husband possibly having an affair, and he's laughing at the most in- uh, inappropriate 
<laughs> in the most inappropriate moments. It's got a funny laugh, uh, Richard or yeah. Victor. It's the same person I know, but because he he doesn't often laugh, does he? He's often not. He does. Do you remember the McKendrick twins, Christopher Ryan, from yes, the episode "Hole yes, in the Sky"? Yes. And Margaret, he, they keep playing pranks on Margaret, mm. and he finds it hilarious, Victor. Yeah. Which yeah, is it's yeah. Humor. The theme of this episode is. Apart from the fact that Victor does do creative things in her episodes, Margaret won't really do anything like this again, will she? I don't no, just mean am- 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 amateur dramatics, but she won't put herself out there to no, do anything. sad, really, isn't it? Um, when does her mother die? Mother dies series four. Series four. So, in the pendulum. Series three, there isn't really an opportunity for her to do other stuff because she's still working at the florist. When does she lose the job? She, I think there's a hole in the sky because she's quite snappy, snappy than usual, and she sort of cracks yeah. at the end of that, doesn't she? Because she she finds some money, um, eighty quid missing. odd. She goes, I mean, she still has a lot of depth and a lot of character yeah. development because that whole episode where she goes missing in the later series, that's quite strong and powerful. Yeah, and then how she just then comes back. Um, I thought that was something. Yeah, it's um how how does that episode rate for you in for series 2 alone? Because obviously there might be another episode you're more keen on, but I don't know what your thoughts are compared to the other episodes. I don't know you might have to go back and watch them, but well, if you score out of 10, that's what I usually ask guests, what do you score out of 10? Um I would score it Oh, I hate doing this. Probably seven, maybe eight, only because, and that's no reflection on it individually, because I know other episodes. You know what else is out there, yeah. Yeah, it's it's compared to the quality of other episodes as well. By itself, as an episode, I think it's fantastic. But when you compare it to Hearts of Darkness, Beast in the Cage, mm. Pit and the Pendulum, whatever, even Secret Seven Sorcerers, um, I think they're more enjoyable for me because you feel like it's really hit its stride. Um, it's a funny thing, isn't it, with programmes, not just with sitcoms, that you can still see they're not 100% comfortable. That's nothing... I don't mean this in a derogatory No. They're still trying to... They're trying to hit the bar. They're still putting everything into it to get it right. Whereas by the time I think you get to Series 3, they are so comfortable in their characters and the nuances mm. of it. It's almost like they've relaxed. Like people say that about golf, don't they? If you yeah. overthink it, you destroy your game. Yeah. And I think by series three, they're not overthinking everything. No. Um, and maybe there's a couple of moments in this where <clears throat> it's a little bit, just a tiny bit overthought from a performance. Yeah. I mean, who am I to comment on this? Crikey, I'm only a viewer. <laughs> this is the thing. I'm, podcasts when you're reviewing tv shows half the time you, you're trying to pick weirdly you're trying to pick holes or yeah. or continuity errors and i sort of said to david look don't take it personally i'm sure you wouldn't but it's just all part part of the course for uh podcasting yeah. when you're reviewing did, a tv show. i really liked the um continuity error that you pointed out to him in one of your podcasts with him where you said um how come their house their house was completely demolished that oh. suddenly they have all this stuff in the loft of their new house yeah. like his uh, like his ventriloquist doll or or the the puppet <laughs> you know 
And it's true. I mean, that, that to me, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't think of that one. That was one of my listeners, but I thought I'd put it to him. The answer I've got for that is in Wingate, their first house, they had a garage, quite a fairly big garage outside. Maybe he had some stuff stored in there. Maybe in Mrs. Warboys's house, the the one as seen in, I think you see it in series, quite a big house in series two, series three, uh, when she was married to Chris. Yes. Maybe they she kept some stuff back for them, but I'm just clutching at straws. I'm, <laughs> but uh, you know the script he written in Dramatic Fever because yes. you can see right, you can see something's typed. I'd love to know. I know it's ripped up, or maybe maybe it was just some shredded paper. But I'd love to know if that script is kept. Like it, it, it might just be a couple of pages of drivel. But I wonder if there's something. Maybe knowing David, he's probably going to the extra care and detail to actually have written something, just a couple of pages worth. What I was hoping was that this was going to be some kind of play on The Shining and that actually it was going to be like what Jack Nicholson was bashing around the time. Yeah. And it would turn out just to be the line, uh, all work and no play makes Jack a very dull it's boy a... or something. And then just written in different ways, different <laughs> stuff. All work and all, no play makes Victor a very dull boy. Um, that, would have been, that would have added the detail. Very dark. Were you... Um... Watching one from the grave as it was aired. Are you, we're about the same age, are we? I'm 36. I won't ask your age, but are you? Crikey, I'm 40 next year. Are you? Um, yeah. Oh, I thought you were about my age or younger, so that's a compliment to you. <laughs> were you watching uh, it as it as it was aired? Yes, pretty much. I don't remember the first series. No, I def I do remember series two, but possibly from repeats, and I definitely remember everything from series three onwards. Yeah. And I can remember it was odd because I know it was, was it mainly Sunday nights? He would have been the Sunday night most um, sitcoms went up. And then I remember a lot of repeats on BBC Two at one point. Right. Which was quite strange. Um, yes. So. I, yeah. I. These were well-known episodes. I think it was, there was certainly a buzz about it. There was an excitement mm. and an interest in it. Um I can't remember what other sitcoms would have been riding high at the time. I think people were just looking forward to Only Fools and Horses every yeah. Christmas. And then when the One Foot in the Grave Christmas specials happened, I think that kind of yeah. <clears throat> cemented itself as like a family yeah. program to look forward to. Yeah. And um, Endgame was my first one I can remember watching as it was live. That was 97 Christmas. Yeah, gosh, but I'm perhaps, I, I know I was watching video. Well, my grandparents had a few episodes on video. So certainly in the, 93, 94, 95 period, I'd have been, yeah, seven, eight, nine. But yeah, then, oh, cool, Series 6 and 2000, I was more than aware of it watching that live. And you'd remember the finale going out the same night. Yes. Like Millionaire was going yeah, out with their yeah, first. I know. BBC complained about that, didn't they? Yeah, they ITV reckon it's a coincidence, but mm. you plan these things in advance. It couldn't have been. I was I was really gutted for uh, One Foot in the Grave, knowing they were going up against. I mean, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was absolutely huge, wasn't it? Yeah, well, to get the it was first on millionaire. So much then, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Everyone well, was talking about it. Yeah, and they unfortunately won the ratings war, as they call it, by a few million. But I was, I was certainly watching it. I was be fourteen or fifteen when that came out. One from the grave is in a world of its own. Two point four children is similar, isn't it? If, yes. if you watched it, yeah. with its, it is a surreal comedy. But then, and also, it's also similar because I think with two point four. It has the same issue with One Foot, where certain episodes feel like they've been repeated a lot compared to others. Mm. And I don't know whether that's my memory playing tricks on me, but I certainly remember they used to do comedy zones on BBC Two, 
that they would repeat the beast in the cage quite a lot. I think I it feels this, this, like yeah, this was repeated or Christmas specials were repeated. Um, it's the, it, I, I would love it to get an airing on BBC One or BBC Two of a weekend. Dad's yeah. army gets that BBC Two slot, doesn't it, on a Saturday, six o'clock. Difficulty is, I think, some of the themes in there has to be towards the later point of the evening. By the, that time, you're getting into prime time. Mm. And then I think they're only allowed a certain number of repeats in prime time. It's good to see though, the BBC Four <coughs> coming out whilst BBC Four is still on linear. Um, and it's good that they're all available on the iPad. Yeah. When I start this, I'm not making any correlation to this, but when I started the podcast, One Foot wasn't on iPlayer. And I don't know if it was on BritBox. He would get the odd airing on yesterday and and drama. My little campaign was I want it to be shown more. I want it to be repeated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone on Twitter I had the audacity to say because somebody put out a poll of who watched your top five sitcoms, and I I chimed in looking at all these responses, and I couldn't believe you know I know it's all a subjective thing and taste is taste, but not many people put one foot in the grave. And some people, a lot of people, responded to my response saying, "Oh, I do like." One foot. Someone said it's just repeated too much. I thought, are you having a laugh? It's never <laughs> on. It's it's like you said, only a few episodes seem to be repeated. There and, must and, be people that are only watching yesterday, or there must be, yeah, or whatever it is that's that's always repeating everything. Um, but it's not the same as getting a mainstream <clears> repeat, <throat> no. is it? Um, and uh, the last mainstream repeat I remember for it was was series. Five repeated on a Monday night quite late. They I think BBC yeah, news, didn't they? I'm sure David said last year BBC four BBC four were, were airing one of the series from November into Dece- into December, mid November yeah. onwards. I can't remember. So it does get something, yeah. but I suppose the dream would be it gets that prime time slot. But then, like I said, the, some of the themes in one foot. You've got deaths. You've got. Yeah, um, and also they don't like showing four by three telly. In right, is that what it is? Do you think? Yeah, I think what was the last one? I'm letting out any secrets here because this is all just speculation. Mm. But someone told me they didn't particularly like repeating four by three television to so the square television where you get the black pillars either side because it's not widescreen. Um, on on the linear main linear channels, particularly in prime time, the right. only time they ever do it, they repeated an episode of Terry in June when June Whitfield died. They did a four yeah. hours when Andrew Sachs died. Um, Pools and Horses is four by three, isn't it? For the earlier one, a lot of the that hasn't been on BBC One for a long time. Uh, I think the last time, obviously UK Gold all the time, but for <laughs> BBC, I, when John Sullivan passed away, they played every episode, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, when in 2011, and I wish I was more on the ball and recorded them, but they aired every episode with a lot of un, uncut scenes that they hadn't seen before, uh, which are probably you could probably download them now on the internet. But well, there's quite BBC a few. One. BBC One, certainly so they played every for every day they aired it for all 64 episodes. What? Um, oh, what gold? No, on actual BBC when John Sullivan passed away. Yeah. It was every lunch. It was lunchtime. It wasn't an evening oh, thing. No, so, right. No, yes, they did a lunchtime, and then they repeated again. Right. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. But they what they did is they merged 
the half hour episodes together into hour to fill an hour. Slot. That's right. Yeah. So then when the longer episodes came up, they could still repeat them, but they were cut. Oh, so well, they they were I thought I, I, I read that because obviously I'd, I'd have been working. I wouldn't have seen them aired in the day, but I thought there's a few episodes they put out with some yes. uncut scenes, but obviously I forgot about them. Sorry, no, because I used to surreptitiously watch them whilst I was at work. Um, right. Because you, you have the TV on. Um, under the guise of uh, you have to be monitoring what's going on, and I was quite, <laughs> it was. If I say to my boss, I've got to watch this. I've got to yeah. watch one from the grave because the writer wants me to give his my opinion on a, a rerun. Were you almost the man behind the Fools and Horses Blu-ray releases? No. I well, I, I, I missed idea. I pitched the idea a long time ago. Um, yeah. but no, although I know some of the people that were involved and I, I've got it and it is very good. <clears throat> and I think the last time I spoke to you, you said you hadn't got it. I still haven't got it. I, I think it, I don't know why tell, I haven't. Tell your wife or your children or whoever, get it for Christmas. Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on my list. really good. And I was only thinking about that. Only earlier today, as I was flicking around, I saw Mother Nature's Son on gold. And right. I was thinking, how great would it be if that, the, the film scenes, there's a lot of film in that were in high definition. Um, That's a great one to put at Christmas, Mother Nature's mm, Son. That's a Christmassy. Yeah. I remember getting that in my stocking in early 2000s and it came in the, it was a, it was actually the, a video and it came in a um, very peculiar box. It was a bit of a collectible. It was because Mother Nature's Son is, it was like, you know, the um, Peckham Spring. Yes. And it, the box was like a luminous yellow with like a red outline it was very out there design but clearly a collectible because i haven't seen it long after plus it was a video so we're probably talking 2001 just yeah. at the edge of videos going out of fashion but so i have kept my fools and horses it would have had a replacement for the beatles song wouldn't it at the end Is that oh yeah so they had money? the money is it money yeah, by george harrison anyway so then pink i probably... think freud yes money uh, uh was it no, hang on. Did, 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 did. That was George yeah. Harrison. But it, was... but it but it was did they have the Pink Floyd one in Oh that? they had a Pink Floyd was... one in in series one when Dale's trying to yeah, in I think it's yes. Cash and Curry. Yes, they did. He's trying to sell all his stuff. Yes. That that's been replaced. But the one is money, that's what I want. Is is which was famously covered by the flying lizards later. God, I know this yeah. playing it to death on the radio. But the the Beatles, which was a cover of an old yes, another rock and roll song. Yes, it's the Beatles one that should be in the Fools and Horses, but obviously it's very hard to license that for a VHS. So I think it's a sound alike in there. Have um, you se- have you seen the Yuppie Love episode? The you know the nightclub scene, Mickey, Jevon, and Rodney. Yeah, because they have for, I had for, music in that, don't they? But there's an extra, there's an extra like extended part of that scene that they, they, they they're not on the DVDs or the video, but I managed to get hold of it some years ago. Oh. Where you know where you see Rodney's interaction interaction with Cassandra, John mm, Dark. You know, I mean, there's a bit more to that, and there's Jevon gets chatted up by some some women, and it's just it's a bit more prancing around between the three of them. It's on YouTube. It's quite fascinating. They never put in probably it's probably rights to the songs playing in the background. Do you know the one that I've never ever seen, which I keep forgetting? I should try and have a look for it. I might be able to find it somewhere. Um, Is it watching the girls go by? Yeah. Where the woman who's the stripper who has a snake. Yeah. So it goes 
what's the cut? You, you, they're in the pub, and then it cuts back to the flat, and I think Rodney bursts through the door, or Dell bursts through the door, and then they have this argument. About yeah, he's it. absolutely steaming, isn't he, Rodney? Apparently, and I can remember, I think my uncle or someone told me this, but also I think it's online, in the original transmitted version, you actually see her singing and dancing. I don't know if you see the snake. Right. There, there is a performance. That's clearly music rights, but it's also if you're going to license the music for something and you ring them up and go, yes, we'd like to license this. Oh, what's it for? Oh, well, if it's for a scene of a stripper with a snake <laughs> in a pub, they're like, mm, yeah, maybe don't, don't want to let that. <laughs> so that's, I've never, ever seen that. And that episode is significantly shorter. So it makes you think how long was that scene that was cut? Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's the similar for um, Keeper 3, where Albert wins a talent contest singing and uk gold sometimes play him actually singing um whatever song he was singing but on the on my old video and the subsequent dvd it hasn't got it so you see him you see him take part in that so there's an extra bit jolly boys outing someone's messaged me yeah jolly boys outing i know you're gonna see is the nightclub scene no not that one no um in the villa bella They'll, there is a snapshot on the Fools and Horses fan page of Dell. Uh, there's an extra scene where he goes into the restaurant. And there's some really miserable dinner guests, and they obviously oh, and that's never been seen. Well, because there's a screenshot of it. it. Clearly, I don't know if it went out originally, but maybe they they would have cut it in the in the edit suite, as it were, before it went out. Because yeah. on but the I... Blu-ray, there's the extra footage from the fairground that never made it into the program well no i've never seen that before so that's another reason to ask for that's another reason to buy <laughs> um but there's someone emailed me off the back of the algarve event actually and said why is it that miami twice is cut by nine oh yeah nine minutes and i said well, is that because you're watching the version where they've amalgamated the two episodes together this is a very detailed conversation about not one foot in the grave but I hopefully this is the reason for people. Anything was, goes on this there, podcast. <laughs> there was a big chunk that's been removed, and he's adamant that it hasn't been seen since original transmission. But I've seen episode one and two a lot, and yeah. I've also seen the the kind of the movie length version, which I think they did originally for the VHS, and then it, got rebroadcast. The movie, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really go down well. The second part, um, oh, to be in England, I think they call it. With the laughter track, it, it it drowns out a lot of the dialogue. Mm. Uh, some people, I, I like it without the the laughter track. The second part, it's like to Hullen Pack hasn't got a laughter track, no, not originally. Yeah. No, or no. Royal Flush. I don't think no, that's original, got originally didn't have, but then no. the edit it does. Yeah. Um, but I wonder because I know in the movie edit of Mammy Twice they cut all the Richard Branson stuff and the airport stuff. Yeah, um, but it's not that. So I said to the guy, "Is it that?" And he went, "No." So because there's a bit more. There's a bit more because when they're walking on the plane, there's the the slightly longer versions I've seen. If, if there's just ever so slightly longer, they're walking. What is it? That tunnel bit from the from the departure lounge to the, the plane type thing. Yeah, that bit's a little bit longer in the in a uncut version I've seen versus a TV where they don't even show them walking down that tunnel bit. It's a little bit long. There's a on the actual plane. It's a little bit longer. There's a little bit more. Okay. I'm sure, but I don't know. They they just mess about so many 
I'm going to I'll look into it because that type of thing fascinates me. But um... there's a really good website. It's like Wikipedia for fools and horses video. What was video cut on the video? Have yeah, you seen that? I, I know. I think I know the one you mean. That may be where I saw the watching the girls go by stuff it's as a... well. Um, but I know John Hoare, who does the Dirty Feed website, does some really good stuff about edits. He did the stuff on there about Hearts of Darkness, actually. Yes, yeah, he did. Um, yeah, that's that is. He's, he goes in. I tried to get him on the podcast, but it's, it's not really for him. He said at the minute, but yeah, he's goes into some. He just read Dwarfer stuff, doesn't he? Mm, and it's also good that um, he's able to get from some people original off airs. Yeah, people have sent him. They sent him an off air of the original Hearts of Darkness, and of the what was the other one? He uh, there was a young one's one he got an off air for that had a missing frame in it, one frame, <laughs> a couple of flash frames. Um, yeah, that that helps. Um, so yeah, it's it's all out there, but yeah, it is. It does. It's difficult and it's annoying because after time, more and more people get confused as to what's the real end mm. and what isn't, isn't it? If it's lost. Yeah. Have you just sent it over to me? I sent you a link to the uh, Fools and Horses video cuts to the DVD. Oh, yes. Um, it gives a pretty good insight to what they've removed. Yeah, I'll it's quite good. i that later and remind me twice because I feel like I want to help this guy out. He's dropped me an email. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I will wrap up in a moment. I, I just, I wish there was a One Foot in the Grave script book available. You can get Blackadder, Fools and Horses, Royal have family. Asked, have you asked David? I think I have, but it's I buy it. I mean, yeah, you get one at least yeah, one sale yeah, from me. Yeah. The good thing about these script books is you do get a little bit, a few tidbits in you about things you might not know mm. when when certain scenes were filmed. But it's missing that I think. Have you ever been to the written archive? BBC no, BBC I know BBC that was a, that was on recently, wasn't it? Yeah, you should try and do that and try and get things like the audience appreciation index for the episodes of One Foot, but also the the PSB I'm sure they'll give you the paperwork for the episodes I think they're yeah. probably safe they wouldn't share with you HR files no the first <laughs> but they they would they would certainly show you the production paperwork I think um and that yeah. might be interesting to see when certain things were filmed and how close to transmission and that and it might even give you an indication <laughs> of things that were dropped or moved around maybe um, I imagine how often do they have Weber these? Would have consulted that maybe for his book, perhaps. Oh, yeah, have you read that one foot book, Richard yeah, Weber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forever read for this. Yes, my Bible is my go-to. Yeah, blimey, we we've we've covered just about every area of TV. I think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, lovely foot... to speak to you again. Yeah, Tom. thank you for for coming on. What you no watch? So, what's your uh, so you Stereo Underground is the most listened to. Uh, program isn't it on yeah on bbc, BBC radio. For, for bbc local radio yeah i'm I'm getting about um i don't think it's a secret it's about 50 odd thousand people a month download incredible just for the four two-hour episodes a month um and it's just great fun. it's just a nice safe place for people to to share their love of indie alternative music and a few bits going around the fringe edges as well uh, nice um, yeah i've got some good guests coming i've got chris Difford of squeeze I've got Clint Boone from the Inspiral Carpets. Um, I've just had Ian Brody, the Lightning Seeds. Oh, I saw that. That's um, that's a bit of a coup, isn't it? Getting Ian Brody on. Yeah. And, and they're doing a um, yeah. they're doing a uh, Three Lions 
song. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he talk I, about that? He did, yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, what's it like? It's a bit of a chain around your neck. And he said, look, at the end of the day, we've had so many hits, Sugarcoated Iceberg, Lucky You, yeah. You Show Me, all that other stuff, you know. And he said, I, I've got plenty to play. And we love playing the greatest hits. And depending where you go, people love different songs. But he said, I leave three lines for like the second encore to distance it from everything else. Mm. And it's a love-hate relationship because some people only know us for that, but a lot of people <clears> have <throat> discovered our back catalogue through that. So you've got to play. You've got to give people what they want. Yeah, um, so that's what they're paying the money for. They want to, they want to hear the hits. I remember watching Bob Dylan in Cardiff 12, 14, 15 years ago. And I'm not a huge Bob Dylan fan, but can recognise any of his stuff. And he was playing some new stuff. Thought it was a bit arrogant and he didn't sound very good. It wasn't I a good experience. A, a Bruce Springsteen gig like that once, and he only did his new stuff, and it was all this like Zydeco stuff, and it was very, yeah. very hard going. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it's not. To run or something. But Ian Brody, though, was a good laugh and a good guest because I said to him, someone wrote in and said, Do you remember when you were at Crinkly Bottom for Noel's house party? And you were on that a couple of times. And he said, oh, yeah, I love that. He said, I can't believe, looking back, I was one of the lucky people who pressed the button to start the balls rolling for the National Lottery live. And I think, wow, you know, <laughs> you know multi-award winning international musical superstar Ian Brody in the Lightning <laughs> Seeds is still in disbelief that he was on the National Lottery live. Of course, um, you, talking of Noel's house party, you, you did a really good uh, documentary, didn't you, on Noel's house party? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that was good you, fun. Yeah, that was yeah, brilliant. Decade of Crinkly Bottom. Yeah, that was um, end of last year. Crikey, it was like yeah. a year ago. I was, I, was at, I was just at work, and I was, I was just, as you do on your phone, I thought, oh, this looks good. John Hall, I think, um, commented how amazing it was. And oh. I thought, it was about an hour long, but I was just yeah. drawn to it. I couldn't put it down. I thought, just the memories of the 90s. Big Saturday show. night TV in the 90s can yeah, beat it. 90s so nostalgia, good. you know, I think, um, and I know they re-ran an episode of House Party. I'd like them to run my documentary on BBC4, you know. They were key yeah. at that point. They never got back to me. Um, but it, 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 it's cleared for broadcast, and hopefully it will be shown at some point. But um, it's one of those things where they actually repeat an episode of House Party couple of months ago i wish they would repeat more tv that was live back then that mm. wouldn't ordinarily get repeated because no. i think some people that's a real time capsule of the time particularly stuff like house party or generation game or something that that had real people in it and at the heart of it mm. um i think there's something really fascinating about seeing that that's a true kind of reflection but it was great get me started about that i know for another hour but uh... follow at richard latte though because there's some dynamite you put out there and I, i'm really grateful for you coming on i i like how we've approached this episode it's a bit alternative to what i usually do and that's welcomed because i've trying to look at different formats for this podcast so thank you very much richard for your attendance on the podcast your second one and absolutely loved the event last week at the region which like i said this is 2023 when this goes out so it's not last week when you listen to this but to me still fresh in my mind so i'm very grateful to you for making it happen pleasure look thank you so much for your support tom keep up the great work on the podcast and let's hope we can do another event 
at some point soon. And, Please, yeah. Um, let's hope Algarve in HD will get a wider audience at some point soon as well. But yeah, keep up the great work. I'll still be listening. And um, yeah, hopefully I could uh, maybe introduce you to a few other people that, that were in my documentary for One Foot that might make good guests on your podcast as well. Absolutely. So, Send them my way. Thank you very much, Richard. Cheers, Tom. Take care.